Hi, and welcome back to Rate That Album, back and forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good, good friend, Paul Muad'Dib. Paul, how are you doing? I'm I'm depressed <laughs> for several reasons, but let's talk about it. Let's date ourselves oh, Paul, here. Paul, do you have them holiday blues? Dude, I have some massive holiday blues here. Um, are they just you... like Tom Thumb's blues? Oh. I like the tombstone blues. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm stuck outside a mobile. <laughs> the Memphis blues again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this episode, uh, we uh, I decided to stay in this festive spirit after Bootsy Collins. And I also want to just rip the Band-Aid because I, if somebody's going to pick a Dylan album, I'd rather it be me because I hate Bob Dylan. <laughs> Yes. And so I dropped Christmas in the Heart, the 34th studio album by none other than Robert Zimmerman. Yeah. You know, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, it, we're never going to talk about Bobby Dylan. I just want to go on record because you, you know, through the, through the Joe down, through other things, you have been a no- notorious hater of Bob Dylan for as long as I've known you, I, I believe. I wrote a column once and, you know, so my company has like papers. One of the papers is in Duluth and like, I think it was like a reporter or like best, like comment is like, why would you write? You hate Bob Dylan. And I was like, because I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) So let's be like, Paul, you have an opinion page where people say, I don't like the president. Why, why is Bob Dylan not get, why is he (laughs) off grounds? Like he's a giant piece of shit. So let's talk about that a little bit because I think that's very interesting because you and I are from you know Minnesota. And yep. in Minnesota, there's basically two things you're supposed to love, which is Prince and Bob Dylan. Um, so what brought you to your hatred of Bob Dylan? All right. So I tried. Uh, from my, my late teens, I bought the albums and I'd listen to them. And I just something just didn't ring true for me with him like all my friend all our friends you know our stoner buddies at least in high school loved bob dylan and oh yes but yet if you look at it they only liked his work from say 65 to blood on the tracks and i think that's america's fascination with him and it ends after blood on the tracks and doesn't cut pop up again until uh time out of mind sure i had my dad and my uncle in their eyes, Bob Dylan could do no wrong. And they'd always say how much they loved him and how much of he's a genius. And I am, like, when it comes to music, I'm, like, 99% with my dad and uncle with enjoying music. And the one <laughs> the one thing where we split is Bob Dylan. And I think that comes from my mom, who gave me a lot of great advice in life. But one of my favorite tidbits, life advice thing she gave me was don't trust old man old men in hats driving and don't trust people who like bob dylan (laughs) (laughs) now i'm gonna say i appreciate dylan basically from the period that you stated um i do like you know joker man off of infidels but um 
uh, just because I thought that was such an interesting song. Um, but really, you know, for me, I think everyone fascination, I think everyone that uh, maybe you'll agree or disagree with, but Highway 60 Run Revisited to me is a classic. Like, that's a great album. But yeah, outs- had the, the, the string of it was uh, Freewheeling, mm-hmm. Bringing It All Back Home, Highway 61, uh, and Blonde on Blonde. Yes. Those, those are like the four classic albums. And I think people think of those albums as his whole career when they're really just a microcosm. And I'll be honest with Blonde on Blonde wasn't a great album through and through in my mind. It's it's not oh, it's a, a bunch of gibberish. It, it's you know, there there's there's great stuff on it, but from like an album to album standpoint, to me, truthfully, th- um Bring It All Back Home is a good album in my mind. And um Highway 61 is a is a good album in my mind. But outside of those two albums, I can't say anything about Bob Dylan's consistency. And this is coming from a guy that I I appreciate Dylan. I mean, uh, you know, growing up uh, um my my, my uh, brother-in-law uh, he loved Dylan. We we go driving around and we listen to Dylan and Beck and all that stuff. But you brought up a really good point which was it was only from that era. It was nothing after, it was nothing, you know, uh, it, that's really what it was. And then, like, even after that, after Blonde on Blonde, people just pretty much ignore everything until Blood on the Tracks. Yep. Yep. I and, completely like, agree that's, with you. And I remember buying Blood on the Tracks, and I tried so hard. And I'm just like, you know, Tangled Up in Blue is a good song, but the rest of this album is just horseshit. <laughs> yeah. Tangled Up in Blue is is really the only good song off that album. Yeah, and it, it's got this legendary status. And so, long story short, I, I just I realized Dylan wasn't that good. I didn't care for him, and I was honest with myself. And as soon as I started saying it, people got mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> I, people do not like it when you say you don't like Bob Dylan, but I don't. And they're like, "Who's a better songwriter?" And I'll say, "Well, you got Neil Young, uh, Bruce Springsteen." Roger Waters, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards. Uh, the, the, the list is endless. With songwriters, I just I gravitate to, to, to more than Bob Dylan. Well, one thing I will say was, and, I, and you know, outside Dewey of that, Cox, <laughs> <laughs> he did the greatest Dylan song. <laughs> <in> that movie. <laughs> there, there, there what is one God's song. he's singing about. <laughs> There is one song that I do, I mean, it's long, but I really do appreciate for what it was, which was Hurricane um, off of Desire, um, I think was it was a really great, great song. And it pissed a lot of people off. So I can, you know, I'm you know, kind of like how we talked about how Beyonce pissed off a bunch of people. If it pisses off a bunch of, you know, white guys uh, that are, you know, being a bunch of fucking dicks, I'm I'm going to grab it toward gravitate towards it so i do appreciate that one although given it was like what nine minutes long but still yeah and a lot of it too is annoys me is like a lot of people like it's rosy tinted glasses when they think about dylan a lot of people don't realize how much of a joke he was in the 80s and then to like at least the mid 90s like uh he got so desperate he at one point wanted to join the grateful dead and they said no thank you that's right <laughs> i remember that yeah and and dylan's a, an interesting guy and i remember reading a article in rolling stone and maybe you know about this maybe you don't but like he's kind of gone off the rails in terms of um his own sanity um he believes that there was another guy that died by the name of robert zimmerman and i, I remember reading this and he 
I, I don't remember the whole thing of it, but he believes that guy's soul combined with his and how there's these two people now living in his body. Um, and that's where he gets a lot of his inspiration from is from this other Robert Zimmerman who died. This is another thing people got to realize. And I don't, I don't think people get it outside of Minnesota. In Minnesota, we're notorious bullshitters. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't picked up on that now, go back and listen to my uh, my tale of uh, Dan Marison. <laughs> um, Dylan just bullshits with people, and he fucks with people, and he likes doing that. And that's another reason, like, I don't like him because he just he's just a dick like that. And it's it's not. I think he bought into his pers- persona, like he he has this like enigmatic persona and you know i i don't think it's really much of a persona is that that's actually who he is like if you want to go for a funny persona tom waits is fun because he'll tell the most fucked up weird stories live yes hilarious because he's in on the joke dylan is making fun of his fans I, I think I think that's a big thing of it, you know, and we are, I mean, Minnesotans, we, I mean, they call it Minnesota nice, but really for those of us that live here, it's Minnesota passive aggressiveness. Yep. You know, I mean, that's you know, you, you read really the interviews with him. It's notoriously passive aggressive. He's and, not Lou Reed. He will just, you no, know. No. And if I remember correctly, like there's a lot of like bad blood with people over the years, like with Joan Baez and oh, things of that nature. Another thing. Bob Dylan's a notorious music thief too. Yes, people need to realize like, his early albums, uh, self-titled, especially his self-titled, was like these folk arrangements he just stole from other folk artists, like their arrangements of these traditional songs, and he just passed it off as his own. Yes, yes, that's another thing he's been accused of is very much the the Led Zeppelin thing, which was just stealing yeah. music from other people, and that's. That's been something that's been touted at him for many, 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 many years. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, I, whatever. But yeah, so like my, uh, you know, my appreciation for Dylan is I like a handful of songs and that's it at this point. Like, yeah. And the only one I really like is The Man in Me. That's a great song. Yeah. And that's mostly because of the Big Lebowski. Yeah, that's going to say because of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> That's a great use of that song. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't like, know. Again, again, that's another song where he had. So he's really shines when he has like a good uh, band with him, and I believe who uh, Al Cooper plays on that, who also played on Like a Rolling Stone and Positively Fourth Street, which has a more dynamic sound for him. Hmm. Yep. And I don't know if you run into it or not, but you know, you hear the stories and I have, I've run, I actually run into Bob Dylan here in Minneapolis oh, and, and did you kick him? Uh, <laughs> no, I think no, but you know, he doesn't talk to anybody. Like he's like, nobody will speak to him. Like everyone kind of ignores the fact that he's around. Like you just, he's kind of like Hunter S Thompson that way where you just, you don't interact. <laughs> yeah. I just wouldn't want to talk to him in general. So I'd just be angry if I saw him walking around. Yeah, I'd, I've, I'd kick him if I had the chance. I've seen him walking around, and I've seen um, you probably seen him too in Saint Claude, which was um, uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Um, I don't know if I have. 
Okay, I've seen Sergeant Slaughter. I might Slaughter. have, I don't know. Like, okay, Sergeant Slaughter used to go to our mall that we both worked at. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he never made it down to t-shirts. <laughs> okay, he made it in the Target a couple of times, and I'd be like, Jesus Christ, that's Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I get it. And, you know, I mean, he's done some good things. Um but yeah, I, I mean, you know, when he kind of back in the 2000 with Love and Theft and with Time Out of Mind, you know, with Things Have Changed, I actually went and saw him live. And we talked about this on other podcasts, but I'll go more in the... Was that with eight. Willie Nelson? Because I saw him on, uh, at uh, what was it, the minor league baseball team in St. Paul, St. Paul mm-hmm. Stadium or something. I saw him with uh, Willie Nelson. No. Willie Nelson was the highlight of that show. <laughs> like, Dylan, no. He did he did. It's all right, mom. I'm only bleeding, and I I only knew it because it just he his band and everything was just the giant blur of sound, and I just happened to pick up on a lyric that of that that was actually coherent from him. No, this yeah, was he was a real he was a real bad show. <laughs> it was you know this was the thing he no this was at Roy Wilkins Auditorium, um I think back in 2004. I think it's what it was. Um, and it was not, maybe it was a never ending tour. Um, either Still way, that tour, man. So, yeah, it was, it was not, um, it was not good. Um, he was in this, he was in his big country phase. And he, like, um, every song he did was like a country rendition. And we were next to, this woman who's we were talking to her, she's been to like 30 some Bob Dylan shows. Like she was like a follower of his. And she Gross. said, you know, and she she even said to us, she's like, some of his shows are really good, some of his shows aren't. And even she admitted this wasn't one of his great shows. So I was pretty let down by that. And you know, at that point in my in, in going to concerts, I really hadn't seen um at that point a truly bad concert yet. And this was like my first one. And I was like, I wanted to leave. Um, You know, I'm here. I am seeing Bob Dylan. This will be like this big, important event. You know, oh, my God, I'm seeing this legend. And I was let down. And the guy who I went with, um, he also uh, was like, yeah, that wasn't that great, was it? And I was like, no, no, that was not a good concert. Um, Yeah, it wasn't. It was not, I was, I was, I was, that was the first concert I remember going to and being really let down. Yeah. I, by the time I saw my respect for him was so just, I just didn't like him. Like I went because I wanted to see Willie Nelson. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That was really the only reason I wanted to see it. So, uh, that's why I went with my dad and uncle. Uh, they're just, they're on a lifelong quest to change my mind on Bob Dylan. It ain't happening. Well, <laughs> I'll be the black sheep of not only my family, but all of Minnesota. That's fine. Well, and again, I, I, I see his con. I see his con. <laughs> and again, going to see him live, according to this woman who's like, was like following him like the Grateful Dead. Which was, is so weird because he plays the same fucking set every night, I think. I pretty much, he doesn't really, I mean, it's not like the Grateful Dead or, you know, even some other shows where you sit there and you can get, you know, oh man, we're going to get this song or, you know, there's going to be a different set or this and that, you know. Um, I think it was the Pixies, they did a two night set um, that I went and saw during their sold out tour. And they played different, they played different songs. So that was really cool. Um, 
But no, I think you're right. Dylan doesn't play different songs, and it was really cool. And one of the one of the ones uh, with the with the Pixies was like three hours of just them not even talking, like just song after song after song after song, which was really cool. Then the second one, there was a little bit more talking and things that you could tell they're kind of worn out from the from the night before. But <laughs> well, Paul, we're not here to talk about our love of the pixies we're here to talk about my cold stone cold hatred for bob dylan yeah <laughs> and let's talk about our mutual stone cold hatred for christmas in the heart this was rough this okay i have a three time listen rule and i can only do two <laughs> yeah i did it twice uh I, i'm gonna uh, steal norm mcdonald's joke again here this is a funny album Sometimes it's ha-ha funny like a Woody Allen movie, but mostly it's funny strange like a Woody Allen marriage. (laughs) God, that's such a great joke. Yeah, this was, you know, uh, in a way, when I was listening to this thing, all it made me want is a Tom Waits Christmas album. (laughs) Yeah, I would. At least he'd have a... Tom Waits has a, a sense of humor to him that I think Dylan used to have. Now Dylan's just... He's just paycheck guy. Yeah. People are just going to buy it at this point. Like he's such a legacy act. People are just going to buy whatever he shovels out. And, you know, my original instinct was this is, this has got to be a joke album, but no, this is actually for charity. All is, all the proceeds went to like charities, like feeding America, world food program and all that. So there's good intentions behind it, but it still feels like a joke album. And the joke is, Bob Dylan is going to put stuff out and your fan, his fans are going to buy it no matter what. Uh, yeah. You can just tell. Cause like with this, it's uh, yeah. Cause even after this, he did an album of standards, which is like, dear God, he knows his voice is shit. Right. <laughs> He's never really exercised his, his vocals. And like three packs a day is going to do 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 a real doozy on his vocal cords. It, he sounds like he's on the verge of vomiting in every song. Which is why, again, when I was listening to this, I was just like, man, this would be so much better as a Tom Waits thing. Instead, I'm hearing you know Bob Dylan, who can't do it anymore, trying to sing. He didn't do it in the Bob Dylan style. He did it like he was trying to sing. And that's what I think really hurts this album. I think if it had been more uh, Bob Dylan doing these songs like maybe if he had done this in the 70s or the 80s yeah which which he wouldn't have done because he was a christian at the time <laughs> but, but the thing is this is how he sings now and like he that's just sounds like this. he sounded like this since time out of mind yes and that's what sucks okay, his um, voice isn't unique anymore it's just gravelly puke yeah, it's not. I mean, you can't. I mean, I, I, I can't defend. I mean, great. It's for charity. That's fantastic. Like, good on you. Every dollar went went to charity. Wonderful. But at the same time, you know, putting that aside and listening to it as an album, just as an album, like taking away the 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 Christmas portion of it, just as an album, it's not great. This <laughs> is not. This is not good. Which um, is, I mean. He has Los Lobos' David Hildago on this, and it's still boring. Like, I love Los Lobos. He has, like, a, he has a solid backup band. Yeah, he and does. And they just do it straight standard style. Like, there is no inner 
innovation and like he got all prickly about that when people brought it up because he's just like you know like this is what i remember from christmas like shut up dude just you're you're creatively bankrupt just admit it and i think you know i mean when you look at what we listened to last time which was bootsy yeah, which been was doing it almost as long as Dylan. <laughs> right, who's been doing it as long as Dylan and did all almost all of the music on a bunch of those songs, all the guitar, bass, um, you know, percussion, everything on those things and brought in these special guests, you know, and it really shown and you could show the creativity there. And then you get this where you really needed to bring something different in order to compensate for the voice, because this is what you remember but the thing is, is that you didn't have you in the 2000s singing it. So <laughs> it's not what you remember. I mean, I played this in the car with one of the kids and they're like, oh, my God, like my my my, my daughter just started laughing. And she's like, what are you listening to? Like, this is awful. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> but dad has to listen to it. <laughs> well, you just tell your kids, this is that Bob Dylan, all those stoner kids at school think is amazing. Now you think about that next time they, they offer you drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what drugs do to you people. You make, they, make, they think this is good music. <laughs> well, fucking drugs make you sound like this, for Christ's oh sakes. God. It's just... Yeah, there was a few times I actually I was dressed, you know, a lot of times with albums like this, uh, like I'll listen to it while I'm driving around. Me too. And there was like three times I just started laughing out loud uncontrollably. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh. Okay, so I'll just name those three songs because it was I had at one <laughs> at one point I had to pull over because <laughs> I was laughing too hard. <laughs> um, Hark the Angels Sing. Oh, that was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, fuck. <laughs> I think it was Must Be Santa, where it's like sounds like he's on speed. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then the Hawaiian-themed Christmas island. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> I felt like I was having a stroke at that point. <laughs> yeah, Christmas Island was 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 rough um you know in all honesty i mean i can really say that the only song that i felt worked on this entire album was little drummer boy um because at that point it for whatever reason it was able to kind of hide that raspiness or that you know that that gravel in his voice somehow and i was like okay if he could do the rest of the album like little drummer boy this would be great and then it went right into the christmas blues and i was like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> i mean it just it starts so it, it starts like a like a plane crash man with here comes santa claus oh, it's, like, oh, it, God. it's so bad it's oh i can't do it it hurts my voice <laughs> yeah it's it was brutal uh you know and then we, we just listened to funky winterland and then we got to go back to bob dylan doing winter wonderland and that and like i said you know during like even during here comes santa claus right when this popped in i immediately my my head went god damn it tom waits would be doing this so much better <laughs> <laughs> but just like he's going way out of his element too like again hark the angels sing is like you gotta have a good voice for it yeah yeah he's just like, just like it just sounds like an old man burping through it it was it was it was brutal. It was really, 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 really brutal. 
Like, yeah, I don't want to turn it off. That's that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, do you it, hear what I hear, Bob? Shut <laughs> the fuck up. <laughs> it was. It was not. Yeah, I. You know, this was. Mm, it was. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, was there anything for you? I mean, was there anything for you that was redeeming on this album? Uh, I guess maybe the Christmas blues, just because at least it, at least with that, it's like a blues song, so you can kind of get away with the shitty vocals and like that's kind of like what he's been doing anyway, is just doing old blues sounding shit for the last 25 years. So like, I guess that played into his strengths. Yeah. The arrangements are fine. The rate, but the thing is the arrangements sound so spot on to like the classic songs that we know. Like we talked about that with Bootsy Collins, like the problem with Christmas music is that it all sounds the same. Mm-hmm. And those arrangements fall into that. Cause they just sound like the others, but then you can Bob Dylan just, just murdering the songs and i'm sure he got a perverse joy out of it because i do not think he took this seriously at all despite his uh despite his uh being pissed at critics for pointing out this sounds like he doesn't like a joke album yeah "Uh, people just don't get me like no bob i think the problem is you're mad because people finally do get you yeah i have to agree with you on that one like it was um yeah, I think, you know, and the, the the thing that blew my mind on this was I was looking at reviews for this album. It got really good reviews. He's he's legacy and a lot like. I mean, if you look at Rolling Stone and they got called out for this a, f- a few years ago that Jan Winter would demand that certain acts would always get like five star reviews. That's that, like you two, Bob Dylan, Springsteen. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people just like they don't want to be seen as not getting it when it comes to Bob Dylan. I'd argue there's nothing to get. Like, yeah, it's what you hear. You don't need to be clever to know that this. There's you. There's no clever way of this album being good. No, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like. Undermining expectation It's none of that. It's just him fucking around. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I, I really have to agree with you on that one. Like this, I mean, great. It's for charity, but at the same time, I mean, if it wasn't for, I really thought this was a, a crash, a cash grab, you know, then I, you know, then I found out it was for charity and I was like, okay, all right, I can, I can forgive it. But at the same time, that's great. But then I have to rate it as an album and I go, this is not, no. this is not a good album. I think had he done it, you know, had it been, you know, again, in the seventies, right when he converted to Christianity and put out a Christmas album and wasn't, as you said, creatively bankrupt, I think that this this could have been something special. Yeah. Um, but I think here's the two- thing: even in those bad years between the the late seventies and into the like up till time out of mind, at least I can give him credit because he was just he was still doing what he wanted to do, and mm-hmm. I think he was interested in the music he was doing. I do not think he's that interested in the music he's doing anymore. I think he lost his all interest really in music. And I think it's just an easy paycheck for him at this point. Yeah. I would agree with you on that one. I think he, 
he's not like Springsteen. Springsteen goes and he he enjoys making music. It's hit and miss, but at least you can tell that you can feel the enthusiasm. Oh yeah, Neil Young, like you feel the enthusiasm even if it's not that good. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get that from Dylan. It's just like him, just like yeah, I'm getting a check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of I, I have to agree with you on that one. I feel like very much you know he doesn't care. And um, one thing that you know, going back to Dylan, you know, and he had his, uh, his son Jacob, who was in the Wallflowers. I don't remember them doing anything together, uh, which I thought was odd. And that's another thing. Dylan is a weird. Like, from what I've read about Jacob Dylan's, like, he was mostly raised by his mom. Right. Yep. Uh, Dylan was not part of his life. I don't think not like a huge part, at least. Like, financially, he was probably taken care of, but that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like everything about him is just giant asshole vibes. And uh, I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and like, he's one of those guys. Like the more I read up on, the more I just really despised him. Yeah, one one of the things I do remember, uh, like an interview with him, with with Jacob Dylan, and you know they talked to him, and he, you know they brought Bob Dylan. He's like, yeah, family friend, and like he wouldn't even say it was his dad. He was like, oh yeah, he's a family friend. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh oh, all right, yeah. Uh... Yeah, he's just, he's just kind of like a prick, and uh, you know, maybe one of those guys who should have never gotten famous because it really fucked him up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, my favorite Bob Dylan story, though, comes from our good friend Matt. <laughs> okay. Yep. His uh, his uh, mom grew up in Hibbing. Oh sure. Where uh, Mister Zimmerman's from? Yep. Uh, so like it was like in the I think it was like in the mid sixties. He told me this story and I never forgot it. It was in the mid sixties and there was a funeral in Hibbing and uh, Dylan and his mom's family knew the person. And so <laughs> his uncle who was like really young at the time, like maybe like four or five years old. Uh, sees Dil, he's like outside playing and Bob comes out and he's like, "Hey kid, you want to hear a song?" He's like, "Sure, Mister." Dylan plays him a song. <laughs> Matt's uncle, till at four or five years old, tells Bob Dylan, Mister, that's the worst song I ever heard. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, shit. That's hilarious. I think about that at least once a week. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's got to be that had that, that really hurt. Um, all right. So, we both. I mean, would you recommend the album? Let's let's go there. No, no, it's uh, it's not even worth a, a cursory glance. Out of you know, I mean, I'm sure people would just be curious to know what a Bob Dylan Christmas album sounds like. Really, you're not missing out. Uh, it's really just not good. He's not really in it, into it. Uh, it's it's not even serviceable. It's something like if you played at a Christmas party, people would wonder what the fuck was wrong with you. At yeah. least I would. <laughs> I, I I would have to agree with you. I think that, uh, um, yeah, I, I have to completely agree with you that this is just, um, this is skippable. There's nothing really here. Um, so what I want to talk to you about since we're doing Christmas and, you know, it is still, you know, as, as of this recording, um, it still is, you know, the holidays, as it were. Uh, I pulled up Rolling Stone's top 25 Christmas albums. 
because I knew this one was going to be pretty quick. I could tell both of us were just like, fuck this thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I pulled this up and let's just, and I want to know if you've ever heard of any of these or, you know, what you're like, just at a glance, what your thoughts would be of it. So here we go. So, so so it's Rolling Stone, right? It's Rolling Stone. So how, how high does this album rank? We'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the list. Oh, God, it's going to be pretty high. Isn't it's, on, it? it's, 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 I, I will say this. We'll get there fairly quickly, but it's on the list. So, oh, number 25, Christmas with Weezer. <laughs> Did you know Weezer put out a Christmas album? No, and I have no interest in hearing it. I had no idea either. Um, the next one is, and I have no desire to hear it. Christmas Joy in Latva, the Latvian Christmas Cantitas. <laughs> Did you, are, were you aware of this? Not aware of it, but I'd probably give it a shot. It sounds at least interesting. It does sound a little interesting. Like, uh, like we, we said, like probably the weirder the Christmas album, the more we will like it. Because you and I are kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, it's something I'd check out. Like, hey, that sounds interesting. Like, I'll yeah. at least check it out. Uh, next one was 23 was Jacob Miller's Natty Christmas. Not it's apparently it's a it's uh I uh it's kind of like a Rastafarian Christmas album, which I I, I that's exactly what I thought I'd want to listen to it. Um, next one is Sufjan Stevens' Songs for Christmas, which I didn't realize he put out a Christmas album. I would listen. I like Sufjan Stevens. Uh, Stevens, that's me. I'm indifferent to him. I'd probably give it a shot. If we reviewed it for this, I don't think I'd go out of my way to listen to it, though. Um, so number 21 is Bob Dylan's Christmas in the Heart. <laughs> the top 25. Um, Fuck you. And, and, Rolling Stone, you deserved that bankruptcy. Well, and here's here's their review of this particular album. Christmas in the Heart is a great title for this utterly unexpected, weirdly inspired Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. As soon as I read that, we were both going to laugh. I was like, uh-huh, it sure is inspired. Because with Dylan on the mic, it certainly isn't Christmas in the voice. In fact, his grizzled baritone is exactly what gives his 34th record a subversive charm. No music worships good music like Christmas music. And by doing a carol like the first Noel or a post-war pop tune like Christmas Island, straight and earnest, he makes you hear them with new ears. With help from musician, with musicians like Los Lobos' David Hildego and guitarist Phil Upchurch, he sings with real nostalgia as well as tenderly as well as, well as tender frailty, honoring this as vintage Christmas music and making it a part of his own story. Jesus Christ! Yeah, here, that's that falls into like people way overthinking a bad album. Yeah, like they're trying I, to find any reason. So you can always tell when a reviewer is desperate to give an album a good review. They'll yeah. always do it with the word subversive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Subversive is for, for those of you out there, subversive is a key word to pay attention to in reviews where they have to give it a good review, but they know that it's not great. So yeah. subversive is a, like, yes. yes. You're, so you they'll make it. They make it seem like the project was more clever than it actually was. Yes. Like it was like with that new Matrix movie, everybody's like, it was subversed. The reviewers like it's subversive. Like, not really. Nope. It was. I watched it. It was basically a remake of the first one with uh, Meta. It was so meta. Meta (laughs) shit, and it like that's. I mean, yeah, subversive. It's just like it. It works sometimes, you know. But like when it's just a bad project and it's not, like not as clever. 
you have to think something has to be clever to be good, then you know the thing's bad. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And yeah, <clears throat> we'll talk about that. You know, God, I wish I still did cast that movie because I would do the Matrix one. <laughs> Matrix 4. <laughs> Matrix 4. Oh, my recast. God. <laughs> oh, God, it needs to be recasted. Well, but. you know, the, the reason they did it is because Warner Brothers was just going to make a Matrix movie anyway. Yes, they were going to make a Matrix movie. I mean, they basically went to Lana and said, either you could do it with us or without us. Yeah, and Lana just rebooted it. Yep, exactly. So I think it was smart that Lana kept it in her grasp. Um, and, you know, for what it was, like I, like the first 30 minutes of it, I really hated. But as it went on, it's, it warmed up, but it still wasn't great. Um, <clears throat> it was more watchable. I, that's the only Matrix sequel I was ever actually able to sit through. I was never able to sit through the second or third one. I just, I get 20 minutes in and my eyes glass over. I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested in this. The the first movie was a movie that never warranted a sequel. No, I never should have had a sequel. It should have just stopped where it was. And yeah, I I just, I I knew it being a matrix sequel. I wasn't going to like it. So it was fine um, for what it was. I mean, but. I watched it. Um, Thank God for HBO max. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only reason I watched it. Yep. So number 20, New Wave Christmas, just can't get enough with new wave hits such as The Pogues and Christy McCall's Fairy Fairy Tale of New York. (laughs) Uh, I love I love the Pogues Christmas song. So great. But I wouldn't call it new wave just for that. (laughs) I wouldn't call it new wave. (laughs) (laughs) Number 19, CeeLo's Magic Moment. Oh, hell yeah, I would listen to that. I would listen to CeeLo's Christmas album. Uh, next one, She and Him, a She and Him Christmas. I've with... heard it. I didn't like it. Okay, well, there you go. And for those of you that don't know who She and Him are, that's Zoe Deschanel's band with M. Ward. Um, M. Ward I like a lot. I, I just don't care for Zoe Deschanel's vocals. Well, buckle up, buddy. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get to it at some point. Um Number 17, Christmas on Death Row, uh, with uh, with the Death Row Records putting out um, Christmas songs, which I oh. would totally listen to. Oh, yeah, that would be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> to that. <laughs> with, with, with Snoop Dogg's Lone Cut, Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto <laughs> with, with the, <laughs> I've never heard this, but with the lyric. On the first day of Christmas, my homeboy gave to me a sack of crazy glue and told me to smoke it slowly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Number 16, The Carpenter's Christmas Collection. Nope. Nope. Uh, number 15, Christmas with Johnny Cash, which... You know, I have that album, so yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, a very special Christmas, 1987, which was a benefit album for the uh, special olympics of 1987 with u2 bruce springsteen um john mellencamp um clarence carter i would i would listen to it i've heard it i've that was one of those albums i always had to hear at christmas time so i i i don't like it hey. i've just i've just heard those songs so many times now <laughs> Well, at least you've heard it. I, I I didn't know about it. So this tells you like just how far in the Christmas albums I get into. Uh, number 13, Frank Sinatra. A jolly Christmas from Frank Sinatra. Fuck yeah, I love Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> number 12, The Ventures Christmas album. Uh, this should be oh, a train. The Ventures surf band? 
Yeah, the Venture Surf Band. Yeah, I'd listen to that. Of course I'd listen to that. <laughs> yep, yep. I'd listen to it as well. Next one was uh, number 11, Willie Nelson's Pretty Paper. Hell yeah. Yep. Love me, Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> number 10, Ella Fitzgerald. Ella wishes you a swinging Christmas. Yeah, I'd listen to that. It's yep. jazz yep. Christmas. Uh, number 9, the 1968 Soul Christmas um, with Otis Redding, um, Carla yep. Thomas. I would listen to it. Hell yeah. Uh, number eight, Bing Crosby's White Christmas. No. 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 Uh, number seven, the Beach Boys Christmas album. I did not. Uh, no, I've heard that so many times from working in a record store. Or not records, they're working in the mall. I've heard it so many times. I just, I couldn't oh, listen to it. Oh, God, I have heard some of those songs. Yes. Okay. Oh, number six, the best, uh, the best of Louis Armstrong and friends, the Christmas songs. <laughs> yep, I love Louis Armstrong, so I would. Uh, number five, um, Motown Christmas, uh, with Michael Jackson, The Miracle, Supremes, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder. Um, I would give it a shot. I mean, I'm sure I've heard some of those songs over time. Uh, number four, Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm burnt out. Burnt out. <laughs> I'm burnt it's out. It's 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 classic, but I just I've heard it so often. Number three, James Brown's "Funky Christmas." Oh God, damn right! I would. <laughs> I would, I would to that. that was done in 1995. You're damn right. I'm going to hear it. Uh, number two is Elvis Presley's Elvis Christmas album. No, 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 no. I my dad was a big Elvis fan. Um, and I wouldn't have anything to do with it. Um, and number one, a Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably have to pass on the murder. <laughs> but it's weird because actually, uh, Ray Charles did a really good Christmas album. Yes, the late sixties, early seventies. I think that one's it's funky and fun. I like that so. Well, I will say that Brian Wilson has called a Christmas gift for, for you from Phil Spector as his favorite album of all time. Well, we all know Brian Wilson also has a lot of brain damage, so yeah. let's let's not be punching down on old Strokey <laughs> McGee, all right? <laughs> this is the guy who put a sandbox in his own bedroom. Um, he laid in bed for like five years, Paul. <laughs> He's not the beacon of mental health. No, no. Um, yeah, so those were the 25. And what I'm pissed off about was you and I just talked about what we felt was our greatest Christmas album of all time that we've ever heard. And this was nowhere on it. I mean, the closest thing that we got was was James Brown, which totally I want to check out. Um, but I was kind of surprised that Bootsy didn't get the love from Rolling Stone and 25 of their Christmas albums. And they put Bob Dylan at number 21, which was not warranted. No, uh, Rolling Stone is uh, is a joke of a publication at this it's, point. It's not what it once was. It's not. And that's really sad because it used to be really, I mean, I used to have a subscription to Rolling Stone back in the day. Same here. Yep. And it's unfortunate where they've gone. Um so, yeah, that's that's the top twenty-five. Now, um, but let, let, let's get the plugs next, Joe. What do you guys got going on? That's Joe down. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, we took a week off, so we're still gonna do. I, I'm probably gonna change Christmas story too, since it's not the holidays. That's to be figured out. Uh, 
So, yeah, I don't know what we're doing next at this point. Uh, the holidays just crept up on all of us. So it really did. It so, really did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll probably find I got to find a good one to kick in the new year with. So, I'll, yeah, yeah. To be discussed. <laughs> OK, that's that's totally fine. Um, all right. So I'm going to tell you what was going to be our next album, but I'm not going to do it because the holidays are over. Um, I was going to do Woody Guthrie's Happy Joyous Hanukkah, um, which was Woody Guthrie's Hanukkah album, um, which we'll probably save for, uh, <coughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me, next, next, next year, or maybe even Christmas in July. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the next album we are going to do is going to be, uh, I, I, well, depending on, I know you like pop music. I know you like female pop music. We are going to do Miley Cyrus's bangers. Okay. Yep. We are going to do Miley Cyrus's 2013 album bangers. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. I like the album she did with the flaming lips. So that was great. That was great. I yeah, she was a lot more fun when she was in her LSD phase. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, I mean, this is the album that gave us Wrecking Ball. So, we'll Where have she, to... She twerked all over Robin Thicke. And got him in trouble. Yep. Well, I mean, he kind of got himself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really blame Miley for his, for his fault. He has one of the most infamous bad albums, <laughs> which was like a plea to his... His, his ex-wife to come back to him. Yeah, no, that yeah, that was which, a is, which is on my list of things for us to listen. To. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I um, I yeah, it was uh, this is gonna have like Nelly, Future, Britney Spears, Big Sean, and French Montana on it. Um, this is going to be an interesting one for us to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And on, the, and on the deluxe version, there's ludicrous, but we don't have to, we don't have to listen to the deluxe version. <laughs> <laughs> We're already going 50 minutes in. So, um, yeah, no, that, I remember that when that happened, when, when she twerked all over him and man, the people could jump all over that, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I just—I was just there was me over there like, who gives a shit what these people are doing? That's <laughs> kind of my thought. <laughs> like, I don't care one way or the other. Why are you guys all mad about this? Yeah, I—it's because people want to be mad about things. I mean, that's 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 the world we live in at this point. People just want to be pissed off. Thanks, you God, they just focused all that on the on social media instead of. Wherever the hell they're raging up that shit on now, now they're just going Fox News. <laughs> Comedy yeah, lose yeah. mind. It's amazing. So I'd rather be there than you know just let them have their little echo chamber. I'm good. That's kind of my thought. Um, that's, that's kind of my thought. So yeah, so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do bangers by my Miley Cyrus. All right. So, um, all right. Well, anything else going on with you, buddy? How was, you know, I know we've been, we got the holidays got away from us and everything like that. Anything, uh, anything you want to tell the audience or anything you want to talk about for 2021? 
it's none of your business. It's none of their business either. 